And we are going to begin reading in verse 9, John chapter 15. When you got it, say so. so. And it says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If, I keep, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments. Abide and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all things I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Lord, thank you for this day that you have given us. And thank you, Lord, for drawing us nearer to you as we sang songs of worship to you, God. Thank you for ministering to our hearts. So thank you for encouraging and building our faith. And we pray that we would be attentive to your voice this morning, that we would hear what you are saying to your church, Lord God, that you would be glorified in these next few moments as we are in your word together. May you give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying to your church, and may we not just be hearers of your word, but may we be doers of it, God. We pray this, we ask this in Jesus' strong name, and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, uh, just raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to be sure that you're able to follow along and take some notes, and hopefully you will uh, utilize this beyond here today. So again, if you don't have an outline, just raise your hand, and the ushers will be sure to bring you an outline. And so... As we saw in this video here, love matters, love changes things, love changes everything as a matter of fact. And today we are continuing in the series that we started last week. We started a new series as we enter into this new year. The, uh, the series is entitled Disciples Follow. Disciples follow, and we talked about the, the, the call to discipleship and the carrying of our cross, denying ourselves. That's what we dealt with last week, and this week we are going to begin dealing with the things that we say that we're committed to every single Sunday, right? Some Sundays, Pastor Aldo encourages you to get a little louder, hallelujah, because he wants to hear you. He wants to, he wants to feel those words, right? He doesn't want you to mumble them, but, but we have these core commitments, these four things that we declare every week that we are committed to, right? So we declare every week that we are committed to loving God, growing together, serving, and reaching others. This is our mission that God has given us, and today we're going to focus in on loving God, and we're going to talk about abiding love, abiding love. You should all have an outline by now, and this is what it says in the beginning of your outline there uh, in the introduction 
It says, love is an imperative for our lives and motivation. Love is an imperative for our lives and motivation. Other emotions, and I didn't feel this in there, but other emotions like hate, uh, anger, fear, guilt, like those emotions can move us, but none have the capacity to sustain us or build us up for our good and the good of others. Let me say that again. Other emotions. There's other emotions out there, like, like hatred, right? Like anger. Those things move you, do they not, right? They, 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 they usually move you in the wrong direction, right? When, when, you're, when, you're, when you're hateful, when you're angry, when you are, are, are fearful, right? A lot of times those things move you in the wrong direction. When you feel guilty, sometimes guilt moves you in the right direction just for the wrong reason. Amen, right? Sometimes you, you do things because you were guilted into it, right? They're good things, right? You, you didn't feel like doing them, but you, you know, pastors go to a class called Guilt 101, hallelujah. So, so, so we learn to motivate you. If you're not motivated by love, well, we'll motivate you by guilt, glory to God, right? We'll make you feel guilty about stuff, and then you start doing stuff, and then hopefully love kicks in, right, and gets you moving. I'm kidding. There's no class like that. It's just, it's just part of the gift. When God, I'm just joking. I'm joking. <laughs> but but there, there's emotions that can move us, right? They, they, they move us, they motivate us, but they don't, they're, they're not capable of sustaining us. They're not capable of building us up and, and building us up for our good and for the good of others, but love does that. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. Our expression of God's love is directly connected to our experience of God's love. Our expression of God's love is directly connected with our experience of God's love. Listen, if you are not experiencing God's love, you are going to have a hard time expressing God's love. If you have never experienced God's love, you're going to have a difficult time expressing his love toward others because you haven't been changed by his love. And yet, when we experience God's love, his love will overflow from us. Not perfectly because we are none, none of us are perfect. We all fall short. However, when we are experiencing God's love, when we're experiencing the love of God in our lives, we begin to be able to express his love in different ways and, and, and do things that don't necessarily come natural to us, like loving our enemies. Hallelujah. <laughs> like forgiving, right? Like, 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 like you know, for really forgiving people who hurt you and offend. That's not natural. <laughs> the natural thing is, okay, all right, you got me. <laughs> And that's it, right? Like, we're done. We're, we're good. I see, uh, that's the natural thing in us. But when we are experiencing the love of God, because we've experienced the things that we sang about today, that, that, that Jesus came and died in our place, that he gave his life as a ransom for, when we experience that, not just hear it. See, this is the problem, is that we hear it, but are we experiencing it? Some of, you, you, some of you may wonder, why do they sing so long? Come on. <laughs> right? We already sang that like 16 times. Why are we singing another 10? Hello? 
We just, we, you know what it is, is that some folks up in this place, they, they can't get enough of that expression and experience of the love of God. They've experienced it deep inside of them. And there's moments, as Pastor Aldo was up here, that you're, you, you sense it, 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 you know, you hear it, but then you sense it down deep in your soul. Because, but if you've never experienced that, you're like, come on, man, let's go. Let's, 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 I'm going to get to, Bishop's going to, you know, Bishop's going to go long. He's going to ignore the time's up thing. And then, you know, so, you know, come on now, let's move, right? You have plans for lunch or after church. I don't know what, but, but, but the thing is, if you are not experiencing the love of God, you're going to have a problem expressing it. You're going to have a problem, but when you are experiencing it, you're able to express it. You're able to live in a different way. And that is the reason why we declare weekly that we are committed to loving God. We are committed to loving God. And so the first thing I would ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, abiding love love. is responsive. Abiding love is responsive. And so to look at verse 9 with me and, and look what Jesus says. He says, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. You notice he is pointing something out. He is saying, as I was loved, I am loving. Abide in that love. Respond to that love. This love, and we're going to talk about that and and unpack that a little bit in a moment. But this love, the way that I have been loved, I am loving you. Now you have a responsibility and you have to abide in that love. Abide in that love. Love is our first core commitment. We say it weekly. And the reason why is because we believe that loving God is the wellspring. It is the source of our faith and our obedience. Some of you are going to come to Core Faith 101. You'll hear more about this commitment to loving God. But what we believe is that you cannot be a disciple of Jesus. You will not follow Jesus faithfully if your life is not motivated by the love of God. If your life is not motivated by the love of God, your, your other things will get in the way. Here's, here's what I, I love this. Um, 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, if you're taking notes, you could write that down. It says that we love God because he loved us first. We don't love God because we are so great. We, we don't love God because we just woke up one day and we were like, man, I need to love God. That isn't what happened. What happened was God loved you, he revealed his love to you, and now you love him. That's what happened. Because there are plenty of people out there that haven't woke up like that. Hello, they ain't woke, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) They woke, woke, but they ain't woke, you know? (laughs) They they, They haven't awakened yet to the reality of God's love. They haven't come to that understanding, therefore they don't love God. They don't, they, they're not committed to God. They don't serve him because they're not awake. They, don't re- they haven't been awakened to that yet. And that's why we should be praying as a church. We should be sharing the gospel. We should be demonstrating the love of God so that way the world around us can come to know the love of God. Always, I love to share, share my testimony and, 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 and always remembering my mother and her salvation and, 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 and remembering how she interceded and prayed and sought God and stood on God's promises for my life. And that she, she sought the Lord, but she didn't just seek God. Here's what happened, church. Check this out now. She sought the Lord. She prayed as she pursued God, as she ran after him, as she cried out to the Lord and, and held on to his promises. You know what she also did? She, she was led by the Spirit of God. for those opportune moments when she could just sow that seed right into my heart and I didn't even realize what was going on. But God did. 
God was working. She may not even have realized what was really happening, you know. Like she didn't know that first time when she read that scripture to me. You know, Proverbs chapter 1, I think verse 7 or 8. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but only fools despise wisdom and knowledge. She didn't know that when I walked out of the house and got into the car, I said to my friends, we're a bunch of fools. She didn't. She wasn't in the car for that conversation. Hello. She didn't, she, she didn't know that, that, that the Lord was like, boom, boy, what's wrong? You a fool. I was like, oh, I'm a fool. Huh? I thought I was smart. Hello. I thought I was witty. I thought I knew some stuff. And I realized in that moment, in that opportune moment, that, that I was a fool. Why? Because there was someone who had been impacted by the love of God, who had been changed by the love of God, who was holding on to the promises of God, who was interceding, responding to the love. See, this was happening. Responding to the love of God that God has now poured in her heart. And she desires what? That her son, that her children, that others would know the love of God. Church, that's what we have to be about. We have to be impacted by the love of God, continuing to hold on to his promises, pursuing him. What did Jesus tell us? We know this. Whenever, whenever I preach on the love of God, I always go directly to the, the, the question that they ask Jesus, what is the greatest commandment of all? And Jesus responds to them. He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength. This is the greatest commandment of all. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord. It is important for us to realize this. God loved us first. That is why we love him. We walk in the love of God because of what he has done for us. We realize that, that we are called to love him above everything else. And now Jesus in John chapter 15, he is talking about love in verse 9 in particular. However, if you go from verse 1 to verse 8, which we will not for the sake of time, but when you go from verse 1 to verse 8, what Jesus is doing is he is talking to his disciples. You got to remember when this is, right? This is... Chapter 13 begins a transition in the Gospel of John. Chapter 13 is the moment where Jesus is now in the upper room with his disciples, intimately communicating with them. He's giving them the longest sermon. If you, if you, if you didn't know that, read, read it when you go to chapter 13 and realize what is happening here. In this upper room, in this dinner, Jesus didn't just wash feet. That he did for sure. Jesus didn't just break bread and declare to them the new covenant. He did that for sure. But Jesus was also sitting with his disciples, and he was instructing them, and he was teaching them things of the kingdom. He was depositing within them. These are like his final words to his disciples before he's going to go to the cross, and he is downloading into them. And he calls them here in chapter 15. He lets them know, hey, you guys can do nothing apart for me. He lets them know, I am the true vine. You are the branches. My father is the vine dresser. The branches that bear fruit, my father prunes them. The ones that don't bear fruit, he cuts them and throws them in the fire. His desire is what? Is that we bear much fruit. And so his disciples, kind of like us, right, they have a little bit, a, a, a little bit of an upper hand than we do, right? Because most of us, you know, there, there's, there's a few of you that deal with agriculture as part of your daily job and stuff like that. But most of us, we're not agricultural people. So when we think about a vine, we're not, I, I don't know about you, but it's not like I have like this epiphany that comes into my mind when I think of the vine. Like I have to go dig and like look and what, what are we talking about here? But see, Israel, they, they, they were the Israelites, they, they were agricultural people. So they understood this vine terminology. They, they understood that Israel was the, was the vine, they, that that's where the life of God was supposed to come through. But Jesus says, I am the true vine. 
I am, I, I am the source of life. That's what he's saying to them. And you're the branches. And you have this responsibility. We'll talk about that in the third point. But, but, but what he does is he's explaining to them this concept, and he's, and he's speaking to them about what it means to abide in the vine. And what he does here is now in verse 9, he starts to bring clarity to what it means to abide. And the first thing that he does is he says this. He shows us that, 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 that there is this abiding in the love of God, right? Abiding is measurable. That's our next point here. But, but, but before we get there, it's important for us to understand abiding love is a response to abounding love, abundant mercy, and amazing grace. We abide in the love of God because of the abounding love that is coming from God. Because of the abundance of mercy we receive from God. Because of the amazing grace we sang about earlier today. That is why we abide in love. Again, abiding love is responsive. We love God because he loved us first. And so we abide in him because we have experienced his love. As the father loved the son, the son loves us. As the father loved the son, the son loves us. How did the father love the son? This was a covenantal love. This was an agape love. I love this thought. It is, it is love that is rooted in the lover, not the loved. Hear that. It is love that is rooted in the lover, not in the loved. In other words, God doesn't love us again. I repeat this because we are so great. He loves us because he is so great. His love toward us is, is something that, that, that is beyond. It, it is beyond knowledge is what Paul says. The love of God is beyond, it is beyond our understanding. I mean, I don't know about you, but man, I don't, I don't understand the love of God for me. Most of the time, if I'm, if I'm 100 with you, I don't even understand why God loves me at all. Like seriously. Like, like, like I think that there's some talents that I have. I think there's some gifts that I have. And there's some good stuff that I do sometime, but not enough for him to love me. Are you here? There's some moments that I, that, that I, you know, I feel good about myself, you know. You know, there are people, some of y'all feel good about yourself too sometimes, but you got a lot of selfies in your stuff all around the place. <laughs> you know those moments, right? That, that, you know that moment that you, you know, you got, a, you got a haircut or whatever the case is. You know, you, you trimmed up nice, you know, you're wearing that outfit. You're like, man, I'm looking good today. Hello. And sometimes I mess with my wife, and I'm like, man, you lucked out, girl. <laughs> Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not joking. I'm dead serious because I, you know, I, I don't need no one to, you know, to, to fan my flame. I, fa I fan it myself, glory to God. I'm like, girl, you, 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 you hit the jackpot, glory to God. I'm like, Bishop, you need to pray. Yes, pray for me. Amen. Glory to God. That's once in a while. That's sometimes, right? That's not all. I'm not sending her a text every day, girl, you hit the jackpot. It's not like that because someday she'd be like, yeah, right, you hit the jackpot. <laughs> Uh, we, we, let's talk about who won the lottery, glory to God, here. Amen. <laughs> but the thing is, there's some days spiritually, right, I, I'm, I'm feeling myself. I'm like, man, I did good. I got up early today. I, I didn't hit snooze six times. Hello. I, I got into God's word. I, I, I prayed. I interceded. I, I wept a little bit. Man, I'm, feel, man, I'm walking. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm ministering to people. I, I, oh, I'm hitting all. Checking all the boxes. But still, that's like one day a week, right? 
maybe two, three. I don't, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm being honest, right? I, I know sometimes people don't like me to be honest, but I'm being honest, right? Like I, when I think about the love of God, I don't understand why he loves me. I don't understand how he can continue to love me because I know myself. I know who I am. I know my shortcomings. I know where I disobey. I know where I dishonor him. And so, you know, it brings us back to that question. You know, a few months ago, I shocked some of you and I, and I talked about God's unconditional love. Y'all remember that, right? Some of you are still like, Bishop, you're crazy. You're a heretic. Okay. I'm, I, I'm wrestling with this, right? I'm, I'm wrestling with this concept. But so, so the question is, is God's love unconditional based on what I just said? It sounds like it, right? So here's what I want to say scripturally. Here's, here's what we know. God's love is unmerited. Are you here? You cannot earn God's love. You can experience it more, but you can't earn it. You can't make God love you. You can't do that. God's love is everlasting. Isaiah tells Israel he has called them with an everlasting love. His love is everlasting. God's love is long-suffering. Some of you used to say amen to that. Because he suffers long with some of you. Not me, but you, some of you. (laughs) Long-suffering. God's love is long-suffering. I think most importantly and most significant is that God's love is eternal. God's love isn't dependent upon circumstances, situations. God's love never ends. It, 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 is, it, is, it is who God is in his essence. So here's what I would say, okay? And, and some of you may get this and, and, and be like, yeah, that sounds good. Some of you be like, nah, it's still not good enough. But here's what I would say. God's love is unconditional in expression because he is love. Are you here? God's love is unconditional in expression because he is love. He cannot not be who he is. Hello. Doesn't matter for God so loved the world. Do you think the world is a pretty place? Come on now. For God so loved the world. He did something because of his unconditional expression of his love. But understand me when I say this, it is is conditional in our experience. Why? Here's why. It is because he has given us the capacity to limit its manifestation in our lives. What does Jesus tell us to do? He tell, I mean, look, look, look at the scriptures with me again. Look at it. He said, verse 10, I'm going to get there. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Now notice, God is love. But he is telling you, well if, well, if I don't keep his commandments, then that means what? That means that I am not going to be abiding in his love. I'm not going to be continually experiencing his love. God doesn't stop loving. He doesn't stop being loved because that is who he is. Yet, I will limit my experience of his love toward me. Here's what happens. God doesn't change. Listen, people who are going to burn in hell, God, listen, I, I, this is, and this may sound crazy, and I can't even get my head around what I'm about to say, but here's what I believe. He still loves them. His son died for them. And they're, listen, they're going to experience eternity separated from his love and his goodness. I think that's going to be the, part of the greatest torment is the understanding of how much God loves us. And rather than bowing our hearts to him, we have rebelled against him. See, here's what, here's what should happen. Again, abiding love is responsive. 
when we think on the nature of God's love and his pursuit of us to show us his love, what should happen? We should be motivated to reciprocate love to him by abiding in his love. We should be motivated to live a life that says, God, I love you. We should be motivated to live a life that says, God, more than anything, more than anyone else, I want to please you. That's what should be happening. You know, growing up, I, I remember, I, you know, I was thinking about this. I was actually thinking about this in worship as, as we were in worship. But I remember growing up, man, and I, and I am... I am, I am like probably one of the most persistent people you will ever meet in your entire life. Like when I want something, like I'm going to continue, continue, continue. So when I would want something from my mom, I would keep going back to her. And get, she said no 19 times and I'm going back, mom, but come on. And I'm trying to convince her. And I can imagine now I'm like, man, I was terrible. <laughs> but the worst thing for me was that, you know, as, as kids, right, you, you, you do stuff that is wrong. And you get grounded for it. You get in trouble. That's what should happen. Amen. Amen. And, I don't know, and I don't know about you, right? I, I can only talk about me. I, you may be much better than I am. But I had this capacity to do the same thing over and over again that was wrong. Anybody else like that? Anybody? Any, y'all going to leave me alone? All right, whatever. Nate, no? Yes? Nate, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. And I would come back to my mom after time 19, and I would be like, Mom, I am so sorry. Can you give me another chance? <laughs> so some of y'all are laughing because that's you too. You're like, come on, give me another chance. You don't care about the offense, right? You don't, you don't care about how you offended or what you did wrong. You just care about getting the thing or doing the thing that you wanted to do. That's all it is. That's all it is. It, 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 it has zero to do with anything else. But you know what my mom would, 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 would educate me on? And, and, and I have to be honest, I still get educated on this now because I still do the same things. You know, those, those habits, that, you know, it's a sinful nature. Hello. Yeah. She was like, listen, stop saying you're sorry. Stop doing the thing wrong. And I'm like, yeah, 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 but give me another chance. Just give me another chance. See, for us, as followers of Jesus, what should happen is that we say, man, I don't want to keep offending the same way. I don't, I don't, you, you say you love God? You say you love God? Wait a second. You love him, then why do you continue to offend him the same way over and over and over again? That's not love. That's hypocrisy. That's not love, that's immaturity. Hello? See, we have to learn what it means. And so Jesus is giving us the directions here. He's showing us what, showing us what it means to love. Say this with me. Say, abiding love, abiding love. is measurable. measurable. I just gave you a kind of measurement, right? Abiding love is measurable. When you look at abiding love, look at verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. 
Until now, Jesus has made it clear how important it is to abide in him up until this point in, the, in, this, in this text. But without abiding, he points out that you can do nothing that is of eternal value. That's what Jesus was saying because, you know, there's a lot of people out here in this world that they are seemingly successful and they don't have an iota of Jesus in their lives. They're not mindful of Jesus. They don't think about him. They don't serve him. They're not obeying him, and yet they're successful by the standards of men. So it would seem like what Jesus is saying doesn't make any sense. No, that's not what Jesus is communicating. Remember, he's talking intimately with his disciples, and he's, and he's, he's letting them know you can do nothing apart from me, nothing of eternal value can you do apart from me. Specifically, you cannot bear fruit apart from me. So what does Jesus mean? Fruit is love demonstrated in obedience to God's commands and in care for others. Fruit is love demonstrated in obedience to God's commands and care of others. That's what the fruit is that he's saying. You can't do this. You can't bear lasting fruit without me. Jesus makes it clear what abiding in him is and what it consists of plainly. This is what he says. It is keeping his commandments. It is knowing and obeying God's will. That's what Jesus did. He kept the Father's commandments, he knew the Father's will, and he obeyed it. That's what Jesus did. And Jesus says, you want to abide in me? You want to abide in my word? You want to abide in my love? You want to abide in the vine? You want to be, you, you want to be the person that is bearing fruit? Then you have to obey my commandments, you have to know my will, and you have to obey it. It's not, just, it's not enough just to know it. It's measurable. Abiding is measurable. Listen, I want you to, you know, I want you to measure your life in the next moment here while, when I give you some examples. Abiding love is measured by fruit. See, it's easy. It's easy to say, oh, yes, I'm abiding in Christ. It's easy to say that. It's easy to say, yes, I am abiding in the vine. Yes, I'm doing A, B, C, and D. It's easy to say all that stuff, but you know what will happen? What will happen is our life is measured by the fruit of our lives. And so what's the fruit that Jesus shows us in these verses? And you can just write, write these verses down there right here in John chapter 15. He says, one of the fruit is answered prayer. You will ask what you want in my name, and it'll be done. Answered prayer. So ask yourself the question. Man, do I, have, do, do, do I, do I see prayers being answered in my life? Do, do, I see, do, do I see things that I prayed for being answered in my life? And some of you will be like, yes. Listen, this is not to condemn you. This is amen. Praise the Lord. It's, you know what happens to us sometimes? Sometimes we pray for stuff. It doesn't happen right away, and we're like, oh, God didn't answer. I mean, no is an answer as well. Amen? But I'm talking about the affirmative, right? The affirmative that, 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 that you ask something, and God, it doesn't say the, with immediacy. It says that God is going to do this because that is how the Father is glorified, because we bear fruit. Obedience, verse 10, is another way that we know that we are bearing fruit. That is how we know that we are abiding because we are obedient. What about joy, verse 11? I've spoken these things to you so you will have my joy, that my joy may be full in you, that your joy may be full. Do you have joy in your life as a follower of Jesus? Is there joy or is there depression, discouragement, despair? I don't know. And then how about this one? This is the last one, verse 12 through 17, the love for others. We'll really dig into this next week a lot, but we'll touch on it some today. But love for others, do you have love for others? Do you have love for others? Not just the lovable people. Come on now. It's easy to love lovable people, right? It's easy to do that. But what about the unlovable people? 
What about those people that rub you the wrong way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Every one of you needs to raise your hand today when I do this altar call. Be like, yes, Lord, help me. Glory to God. Matter of fact, since I got your attention, let's just do it now. Forget the... <laughs> But love for others. Not just, not, not just feelings for others. No, love for others. Care for others. Concern for others. Sacrifice for others. That's what, that, that, that's what the fruit is. Because again, you can say you are abiding in Christ, but here's what will happen. The fruit of our lives will either confirm or deny our claims. See, this is why it's so important. You know, I love New Year's resolutions. I don't know what you guys, you know, made resolutions about. But, you know, I, I, love, I love them because it's a moment of introspection. It's a moment that you think about things. It's a moment that you put things in perspective. It's a moment that you say, okay, these are the things I want to do this year. Sometimes we do them. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get them halfway done. You know, I mean, there's different scenarios that happen. But here's the point. The point is that we are called to look into God's word and measure our lives and say, man, is my life bearing the fruit that says I'm, a, I'm abiding in the love of God? Or is, there, or is there a hindrance? Is there something that is hindering me? I, just, I, I, want, I want to point this out because I think that this is so important for me to reiterate and, re, and, and, and say it again. Verse 11, these things I have spoken to you, <clears throat> that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. I want you to notice this about Jesus. Jesus doesn't command us to punish us. Hello. He doesn't, he doesn't command us to just to take things from us because, you know, he's like that older brother that likes to see you cry. Hello. You remember that? Or, or older sister. I don't, it's, not, it's, not, it's, not a, it's just an older sibling. We'll say it that way. Because it's not just brothers. It's sisters as well, right? Sometimes we just do things just to jig at people. But that isn't Jesus. That isn't God. God isn't saying, hey, don't do this because I just want to make you cry. Stop doing that because, you know, I, 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 just, I just want to see how you react. Like that, that isn't Jesus. That, that isn't the Jesus I serve. That isn't the God I serve. The God that I serve, he does what? He does these things to give us real joy, which is real life which is real peace. But here's the thing. This is only found in abiding love. If you're not abiding in his love, then guess what? You're not going to experience his joy. Your joy is not going to be full outside of abiding in his love, outside of obeying his commands, outside of knowing his will and doing it, outside of you loving and, and doing what you're called. Outside of that, you're not, you're not going to experience the joy that he wants you to experience. The third thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, abiding love is sacrificial. Abiding love is sacrificial. So in this, in this text here, there's two pictures that Jesus gives us. He gives us two pictures. Number one, uh, for the believer. The believer is the branch and the believer is the friend. As Pastor Aldo got up and he exhorted us today, he was encouraged by that. Even this morning, he walked in singing a song that was old, you know, a long, long time ago song. You know, friend, I will never be a friend. Like, this is an old song, you know. It's a reminder. There will never be a friend who sticks closer than a brother. 
There's a friend that is always worth the wait. It's Jesus. He calls us friends. We all want the benefits of a friend, amen? The, the, the benefits of being the branch. We all want those things. We all want that relationship, and we want to experience those two. So he gives us these two pictures, and what does this do? It reveals both our privilege, but it also reveals our responsibility. So we see what? We see that the privilege of the branch is that you get to share the life of God. Is that not a great privilege? That you get to experience the joy that comes from the vine. You would get to experience the peace that comes from the vine. You get to experience the love that comes from the vine. You get to experience all of the life of God. You get to share that life, but your responsibility, abide. As the branch, you got to abide. You can't, you, 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 you can't experience the benefits of being a branch if you're not connected. Are you here? See, again, we all want the benefits. We all want the blessing of the branch, but do we want the responsibility of the branch to abide in him? And then as friends, we all, we, we all want the benefits of being a friend. The privilege of being a friend is what? It is to know the will of God. That is the privilege of being called God's friend, is that you can know the will of God, but you know what your responsibility is? To obey it. It's not just that you're some special friend that, you know, God tells secrets to. Hello. Yeah, you know, God speaks to me often. He, he, he reveals stuff to me all the time. And what? What does that matter if you're not doing anything with it? If you're not obeying what he says. If you're not doing what he commands. See, again, we all want the benefits of friendship. We all want the benefits of the branch, but we don't want the responsibility of being the branch and being the friend See, because here's the thing, church, there's no question. If you look at verses 12 through 17, we'll read this really quickly because next week we're going to dive in a little bit deeper as we look at what it means to grow together. But verse 12, look at this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did he say that he loved you? As the Father loved him. This sacrificial love that Jesus shows it's the love that he calls us to have for others. It's not, it's, not, it's not just a, you know, I love you. No, no, no. It's a, it's a sacrificial love. It's a committed and devoted love that Jesus calls us to. He, he makes it clear, greater love, verse 13, has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Hold on a second. There it is. Oh, you want to be his friend? You know, how, you know how you know you're God's friend? By obeying what he says. That's how you know you're his friend. That's how, that's how you measure your friendship. See, because with us, many of us, you know, we have our, our limits on, on, on our commitments to God. We'll do what's comfortable for us. We'll do what it seems okay. For, we'll, we'll, we'll go to the, to the limit of the sacrifice we think we can make. Wait a second, who's the Lord? As we sang in worship today, there was, we, were, we were singing two, two things, right? And as we're singing, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I, when I sing, I think theologically, right? Meaning that I think what do these words mean that we're singing, right? 
And so we were singing, great are you, God was one of the words, right? So when I look at that, I'm thinking, great are you, creator. Great are you, source of life. Great are you, the one who provides all things. Great are you, God. But then we started to sing, great are you, Lord. Oh, that's a different thing. Because that's not about creation. That's about submission and surrender. Great are you, Lord, benevolent king who has provided all things. And I am unworthy of your mercy and your grace. And yet you are a great Lord. And I am declaring in that moment what? That I am committed to you. That I am devoted to you. That I am grateful for your lordship because you're not a lord like the world. You don't overpromise and underdeliver. You don't leave me with the bill. But you promise and you provide. You promise and you walk with me. You call me and you keep me through the storm. That is the God that we serve. We have this love that we're supposed to show one another, this love that we are experiencing from God the Father. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Again, Abiding love is sacrificial. Abiding love is sacrificial. There's no question. True Christianity offers you new life, offers you lasting hope, and it offers you joy unspeakable. Real life. It offers you real life. That's what true Christianity offers you. But at the same time, the cost is high. Are you here? We talked about this last week. The price is significant. And the sacrifice is undeniable. The question is this, what does the cross mean to you? Here's the question. What does the cross mean to you? What, what, when, you when you think about the cross, if you think about the cross, what does it mean to you? The brutality of the cross. The suffering that Jesus endured. Some of you, you know, have seen the passion of the Christ. I think the passion of the Christ is probably the, the closest and most graphic depiction of what the brutality of Jesus' suffering for you and I was. Flogged and beaten with hatred. Beaten beyond recognition. Beard torn, flesh torn. Suffering on a cross, hanging there for us, brutality, literally suffocating because of his love for us. The one thing that I do not think that the passion of the Christ does well enough, and it's hard to depict this, is to show the shame of the cross. Because first of all, you know, we see Jesus with some cloth on. There were no clothes on him when he is being crucified. And that's vulgar, but, but, but the shame of this, that he is being counted with those who are the worst, the most reprehensible of, of offenders and sinners in his day, the worst of criminals, he was counted as one of them, the shame 
of the cross. What does the cross mean to you? The worst part of it all is that all of the shame and all of the brutality was completely undeserved. You see, it's one thing to endure a beating like that when you did something to deserve. It's still brutal. Right? It, it, it is one thing to experience the shame of that when you deserve it. It's still shameful. But when you don't deserve it. When you did nothing. As a matter of fact, not only did you do nothing to deserve it, but you did everything to show how good you were. You healed those who were sick. You liberated those who were demon-possessed. You preached hope and peace, and, and, and you declared words that brought liberty to You showed yourself good. What does the cross mean to you? See, because the gospel is this, is that everything that I just described was because of you and me. It was because of his love for us that God sent his son to die a sinner's death. What does the cross mean to you? Because when we look at these scriptures here that call us to sacrifice, that call us to love, that call us to lay our lives down, when we look at these things, if the cross doesn't mean everything to us, then we don't know the love of God then we have yet to experience the love of God the way that we should. And today's a moment, if you haven't experienced that love, for you to experience it, for you to be liberated by the power of the cross, by the power of the gospel. Today's that day, that opportunity for you to do that. So here's the fact. We cannot follow Jesus without sacrifice. First his, then ours. Because if Jesus doesn't die for us, we can't follow him. We can't be in a relationship with him. But Jesus dies, sheds holy blood for us. So we can have a relationship with him. And yet he calls us to what? To lay our lives down. He calls us to this life of sacrifice. The fact is this, there's no lasting fruit without sacrifice. The Father's glorified in what? That we bear much fruit. Look at verse 8 real quick. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. That's how the Father is glorified in us, is that we bear much fruit. These things that I talk that we bear much fruit. But here's what I'll say, and I'm getting ready to wrap up. The sacrifice that we make, they must be rooted in God's love. Or else, hear me now, what should be the fruit of love, joy, and peace will become a rot of bitterness, discouragement, and despair. See, because what should happen is that when I lay my life down, when I say yes to Jesus, when I turn away from my sin, whatever that sin is, when, when, when I do that, it's either I'm experiencing the love, the joy, the peace that comes from a relationship with God, or I'm discouraged because I'm sacrificing so much. Listen, let me say this to you. If you are in this place, you're watching us online, and you, and, and you like grunt at every sacrifice you have to make for the Lord, man, you need to repent immediately. But, but listen, don't just repent and say, God, forgive me, but ask God, fill me with your love. 
let me know your love once again. Because when I experience the love of God, the exchange of life that comes from God to me, when I experience that, the sacrifices I make, they don't feel the same way. Oh, there's sacrifices for sure. But there's joy that comes along with that sacrifice. Oh, it it is really denying yourself. But there is peace that comes with that denial of self. That, listen, it is really saying no to things that you really want to do. It's real. But you experience a love like no other. The love of God is powerful. And God doesn't want us to be bitter and discouraged and despairing in our service of him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know his love. So here's my closing question. Are you committed to loving God by your standards or his? Are you committed to loving God by your standards or his? Again, we all know the things that we're willing to give up. But what about the things that you're not willing to give up? I said this often. Is your life yours or is it his? Do your gifts belong to him? Or are they yours? Your money, does it belong to you or is it his? Your home, your car, is it yours or is it his? Your children, your marriage, your relationship, your life, is it yours or is it his? See, because God doesn't ask us for half. He He doesn't ask us for 90%. One of the questions in our premarital counseling class when we're talking about giving, you know, what's wrong with this statement? I will give God 10% and I will spend the 90 how I want. The problem is none of it belongs to you. God isn't asking you to give him a tip of 10%. Say, hey, here you go, God. Like we feel like we've done something, right? Like, oh, I gave my tithe. You know, man, I hurt. Okay, amen. Amen, okay. Okay. Are you committed to loving God by his standards or yours? Bow your heads with me, please. Father, your standards are high. But they are nowhere near as high as the price that you paid for our salvation. You gave your son, and Jesus, you came and you died. You suffered in our place. And so, Lord, you know our hearts. You know every struggle inside of every person within this place. 
And God, I don't need to ask them to raise their hands. I don't need to ask them to stand up. I don't need to ask them anything like that. I know what you have spoken in this place. I don't know every person intimately, but you do. You know where they are holding on to their lives. You know where they are not loving you at the, at the level you want them to love you. You know where they are not living uh, or loving you according to your standards. God, break them free from those things in Jesus' name. Break us free from lower standards of sacrifice and loving you than what you call us to, God. Father, in this moment, may you remove the excuses from our hearts, God. Break those chains deep in us, God, where we see ourselves as owners rather than stewards, God. Lord, set us free. If you're there in your seat and you're bold enough and sincere enough, talk to him and ask him, Lord, break me free. Lord, let me love you according to your standards not mine. Repent before him. Talk to him in this moment. Let his spirit cleanse you and work in you in the name of Jesus. 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 Father, purify. Purify, God. Look at the hearts of your people, Lord. Look at the hearts of your sons and daughters, God. Take the rot of bitterness, of discouragement, of despair, and turn it to love, joy, and peace. God, take those roots of fear and doubt, Lord God, and change them to love. Motivate us and move us, Lord. For love toward you, God. Father, we humble our hearts. We acknowledge you that you are the great, great king. You are a great Lord. Have your way in us, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said...